Hello and welcome to the Culture File Weekly with me, Luke Clancy, and a thumb drive's worth of cultural tendencies from around Ireland. This week we listen to the looms of Donegal in the company of the handweavers at Studio Donegal, and we wander Shannon's side in step with the artist behind a concept album for pedestrians in Limerick City. But we begin this time with the surprisingly smiley legacy of Joseph Boyce, one slice of the celebrations of the 60th anniversary of the Goethe Institute in Ireland, centred on the German sculptor, performance artist and politician who had a fascination with Ireland. In his turn, Boyce proved fascinating for the Irish painter and performance artist Ronan O'Rahilly. This week, in his latest Boyce-inspired work, O'Rahilly entered a trance and channelled Boyce to make art, before which he spoke to culture file well this is just my Bowron. that's how I started the trance work uh, and I'm just going to play a little repeated pattern it's always improvisational I'm not a drummer I'm not a percussive musician so it's not not music in that sense it's just the way that I go into a trance it, it, the, the beat is what relaxes the mind in, in it, for want of a better phrase So in, in the description of this, which I, I found uh, pretty uh, enticing, it says, uh, O'Rahilly will attempt to enter a druidic trance with the aid of a stag's head and a staff and to channel the spirit of Joseph Boyce. He will then draw these visions or ideas he receives immediately afterwards. I've never done a trance where I would try to meet somebody, especially not someone who's dead. I'm not sure how the idea came to me, but it just seemed like the right way to do a performance in relation to Boyce. One of the objects that he always used was a staff. So instead of using the skull or the bowron, I'm going to use the staff as a percussive instrument. Nothing fancy, I'm just going to bang it on the ground in a, in a repeated pattern. And yeah, the idea is that that will induce a trance in which I can channel the spirit of Boyce, whatever that means. If I am to take on the complete persona of the Druid, then yeah, I'm going to go and meet him and gain information. If I'm to look at it in a more uh, a rational, analytic, analytical point of view, it's, it's going to bring up some ideas that I have about Boyce in my, in my psyche. So I, I think it's, it's always a back and forth between logic and illogic or trance or um, lucidity. For the performance, I filmed about, or relating to Boyce at, at the oak tree in Emma. I used the antlers of a stag skull as a percussive instrument rather than the drum to, uh, to tie into the Boyce sim- symbolism more so. We're at the oak tree that was planted for Joseph Boyce in 1991 by Caroline Tisdale. It was planted in memory of him and to show his, uh, his legacy in Ireland. It, it relates to a quite a well-known piece by Boyce. It relates to a piece called 7,000 Oaks, which Caroline Tisdale says was her favourite piece by him, or his most accomplished piece, um, which was in 1982. He, st- he began to plant 7,000 oak trees in Kassel in Germany for the Documenta exhibition. 
on the surface it has ecological implications like regrowing nature in an urban setting but it also has uh, symbolic implications because the oak tree is a very important symbol in Celtic culture and he, he saw himself as tied to Celtic culture but it was also used by the Nazis in World War II as a Medal of Honour symbol so he, he thought that or he, he felt that the oak and other Celtic or ancient symbols had been tainted by their use by the Nazis and part of his idea with 7000 Oaks was to maybe heal that somehow or repent as a nation uh, to, to somehow overcome the, the deeds of Nazi Germany. Interestingly enough then in Ireland it, it doesn't have the same taint as it might in Germany. Um, here the, the oak is again it's, it's tied to Celtic culture but in the Irish sense it's more related to decolonising Ireland or regrowing a culture that has been um, suppressed over the centuries. Boyce was very involved in the air, in the early story of of this building. Maybe it's a complicated story. He he had uh, visions for Kilmainham before there was an Emma. Boyce did. Yeah, well, it was going to be his uh, free university, but that didn't happen. So, yeah, he definitely had his eye on this this space. So what was Boyce's connection with Ireland? How come he decided that this was the place for his free university? Well, he's from a Celtic area in Germany. He's from a place called Krefeld, which had uh, Celtic roots. So I think that was one of the reasons why Ireland would be an interesting place for him. Um, somewhere that he thought was maybe more authentically Celtic. He had an idea that Celtic culture had been pushed to the fringes of Europe in this case the western fringe so places like um, Britain and Ireland so he travelled around Ireland and around Britain as well Boyce was always for me one of the key pioneers in performance art or modern performance art so I suppose you could look at him in terms of in terms of that also I think a good way to look at Boyce is um, someone who's working in the latter part of the 20th century who's involved in myth and symbol which could be something that's quite rare if you were to believe some certain narratives about uh, modern art. You might see a narrative in modern art that the whole point of modernism is to leave behind symbol and uh, myth making whereas he has no problem with it and in fact he wants to keep it. Uh, his version of modern art is one that retains symbol and myth so I think that's a good way to think about him. There are some recurring uh, ideas around Boyce like the free university and this almost meme thing that he said which is everyone is an artist uh, and th- those kind of things don't really <laughs> interest me so much I-, I was drawn to him specifically because of his engagement with myth and more particularly the Celtic so that, that was my draw to Boyce in the middle of last year, you did something that sounds a bit like Boyce could have been involved in it himself. He had this idea that, you know, he, he, the story goes he's involved in a plane crash and some Tartar nomads rescue him. And he, he considers himself after that event kind of reborn. 
And that seems like that's something that's of interest in your work. Yeah, well, his was a bit more dramatic than mine. (laughs) Yours was quite dramatic. (laughs) Well, I wasn't fighting in World War II. On the wrong side. (laughs) Yeah, most certainly on the wrong side. Yeah, the idea of being reborn is a topic of continual use in voice. And it's one that I find quite interesting as well. From Boyce's interest in the Celtic, he referenced the Druids a lot, the Druids of Celtic culture. I decided that I would rebirth myself as a Druid, as a new methodology for myself to make art. Tell us about the ceremony. Like, you had a ceremony at Bealtaine last year to do this. Yeah, well, I thought that I would need a ceremony to mark the transition. So, yeah, it was actually during lockdown, just when we were allowed to start to go beyond the 5k distance. So I live in Ace and Kildare, and me and my family went to Glendalough and Wicklow, uh, just for a hike. And I decided to collect some water from a stream, and I said, well, I can use that for my baptismal water. So I, kind of, I purposely used the, the imagery of Christianity um, there, there's no equivalent druid ceremony then that you know of there are orders that would call themselves druids uh, more so I think in England there's the the order of bards and druids in England but I've no interest in being part of a, a group like that I just wanted to do it uh, on a personal level so that kind of fed into the whole idea of decolonising myself that I, I knew that this was going to be something awkward and off the cuff and that I, ha- that I would have to just make up as I go along. So I decided that I would use the, the idea of the Christian baptism as a, a foundation. And I like the idea of um, <laughs> becoming more pagan using a Christian uh, backdrop. Just tell us a little bit about the ceremony. There is a video that people can uh, see about this. I, I conducted it I read out a poem called Amergan's Invocation, which is from Irish myth. It's the story of when the Milesians arrive on Ireland. The Milesians are the people that supposedly we are descendant from. Uh, but when, when they arrived on Ireland, their head, one of their druids, Amergan, spoke this poem that has a series of I am sentences. So when it's translated to England, it's like I am the wind on the sea, I am... Uh, the eagle on the cliff, and so on. So that was my invocation to become a druid. I thought it would be nice to read his, like the, f- the first poem spoken by an Irish druid. Then my parents baptised me with the water from Glendalough, much the same way as my Christian baptism was. So they both uh, rubbed the water on my forehead. I knelt on the ground. And then to close it off, I played... Uh, an improvisational beat to signify that it was it was done. Was that also a performance? Hmm. Yes. <laughs> I think I think it's been put to the side for now. I would I would like to include it in my art practice somehow in the future, but I haven't figured out yet how I will do that. But yeah, I think I filmed it with art in mind as well. So what change does that rend in you? It began as a new way to make painting, actually. That's how it started. Because I wanted to make images or make paintings 
channeling something, I decided that the best way for me would be to channel the Celtic Otherworld. So it changed my way of working. Uh, on a more personal level, I guess the, the the main thing that I did to show that was that I um, stopped using my English name that I was given, Ronan O'Reilly. And I decided that I would become Ronan O'Reilly. Uh, and that that's my druidic name, I suppose. So they're, they're the two main... That was the main... Uh, symbolic act we're both smiling here I don't know why we're smiling <laughs> hopefully because of how beautiful an act it was <laughs> well it tends, to, it tends to bring up smiles uh, whether that's out of curiosity or interest or just that it sounds a bit strange Ronan O'Rahilly there on Boy Sand Rebirth. And next on the Culture File Weekly, The Looms of Donegal. Studio Donegal is a small woollen mill in Kilcar, South Donegal, which does its own carding, spinning, hand-weaving and garment-making on site. The first woollen mill on the site opened in the 1930s and lived through various incarnations before becoming a shop and studio where visitors can watch and converse with the weavers as they work. But even tooled up for the experience economy, the industry's future and the future of its unique, sometimes loud, sound world and not necessarily clear. Anya Gallagher brought her microphones to Studio Donegal to listen to the looms and their operators. Warp is the one that runs from the beam through the here. The weft is the one in the shuttle that cross that crosses over and back. Yeah. This is the warp, the wefts and the shuttle. The bobbins are filled in the machine downstairs. So you place the bobbin in the shuttle when the bobbin runs out, replaces with another one, and that's the weft. These looms here, though, they'll certainly be over 90 years, maybe 100 years. You can do some nice designs on them, you know, like this, this design here that, I, that I'm doing. This is, this is probably the biggest selling design that we have. It's all in the setup out, out here. There, there does be times where you'll see, you'll see mistakes, like, you know, but usually it's at the start of a piece that you would see it. After you set up your pattern, you would see a mistake at the beginning once once you start weaving it. And usually, most of the time, you can correct it. Um, how many hours a day do you weave? I would uh, weave here for eight hours every day, five days a week. I imagine that it really requires kind of getting into a rhythm. Well, it all sounds very rhythmical, so I assume that you work in a rhythm as well. Oh, yeah. It's all about the timing. Like, timing is key, but, like... When the three looms is going together, they're quite noisy, so I would tend to listen to some music or listen to the radio or something, because I don't like the noise myself, sure. you know? Yeah, because qu- it's, it's, quite, it's quite loud, you know? Well, I'm just actually what they call setting up a piece here. I'm not in this colour... To the what the colours and they're actually the same design, same weave, only a different colour. And this is for upholstery. I've just finished it. It's going to Denmark, so I'm just actually knotting up the threads here. And then when I've got them all knotted, I just wind them through. And it saves me the trouble of putting them through these little small headlights here or the reed inside. And it cuts the time in half, and I'm just ready to go in about two hours. There's actually 633 threads on this here. 
wait, let's wait. Uh, we usually we usually work about 680 threads wide. Depends on t what type of yarn you're using as well. Tony will be on about over 800 ends here. That's a finer yarn as for clothing. So there are different types of reeds uh, for whatever type of material you're using. So Tony's on actually 14 threads of an inch here, widthways and lengthways. So I'm on just 10 threads, widthways and lengthways. Started in 1970, 51 years ago. I was working for McGee's in the Gold Town, but they had a lot of workers based, it was a big cottage industry. So then I left them after a year or so and went to work on a draft for another company, Gilthrian, where we had 36 looms at one time working in the one place. Yeah, that, that is true. And I actually worked before the electricity came to the house. We, I worked with the old type tally lamp, piling oil and methylated spirits. There's a big uh, improvement in some aspects of them, you know, we actually have plastic here now where there used to be timber and uh, we have different type of shuttles, better wheels in them. The yarn's much better than back years ago. Big, big improvement. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I'm actually setting up this loom here now and there's four shafts or headers on this loom here and there's four pedals here at the bottom and they're all connected to one another. So you can make so many different designs. You can make planes, twills, uh, herringbones, so many different types of, 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 of fabric, you know. Your, your pattern's actually in here. The rotation of the threads through these wee small eyes here, this is where you create your pattern. Your pattern's in here at all times. And when that's done right, it's done right forever because we usually have got so many sets of heddles. And uh, then these are here, are connected to these pedals down here. And when you're in there sitting weaving, you've got to press the pedal. Every time you put the shuttle across, you've got to press a different pedal. Nuts are together. So a lot of the making is in setup, really? Exactly. Yeah, if you just see now that other one with Kevin's, he's doing the American design. Well, there's a nice diamond design in it as well, but he's got a count as he goes along. I don't have to count in this particular one because there's just one solid weft that means only one colour and it's a plain wave so I just keep on going to come to the end of it there's no counting involved here but the, the, well the biggest problem at the minute is the handling weavers are almost gone when I started McGee's I think they had about 170 men going at him they've got one left here strictly all handwoven we've got three here and where we came from there was hundreds of men working in Adrao when we started 50 years ago we're down to a handful. And so why the drop-off in, in people practising this craft? I just don't know what the problem is. The only thing, the difference I see in that, when I started out first, a woman wouldn't be allowed to sit on a limb. Now it's mainly women that are into it. In fact, at the end, I've got eight students, and I've got six of them are women, two men. So it's good to see the women getting involved in it as well, like you know, but uh, there's a mini revival on the way at the minute, whatever entertainment lasts, I don't know. John, Hina. And how long have you been here? 16 years. Yeah, I'm weaving probably even longer than that, Tony Bristlin. I was in the mart in the 60s, so I'm at it a long time. That time there were some, there were, every house had a weaver that time, you know, it was... Uh, so were one of your parents weaving? Yeah. Yeah. And my uncles and all, everybody learned at that time. Some of my brothers learned it, they didn't keep it up, I... I left it for 20, 30 years and then I just come back in a part-time, part-time now. And is it a skill that requires a lot of practice to keep it up? It's one of them things you, you can learn. You, you, with, with designs now, you could learn, you can learn new new designs every every day, you know, but the, the, the ordinary, uh, you'll learn that in probably a short time, maybe you give it six months or something, you know. Yeah. I guess the designs change with the... Oh. 
with the change in yeah. season yeah. and with the she change in fashion. It was all, it was all cloth, mm. you know. Uh, uh, after the war, the, the tweed, the tweed became famous for for uh, for, for heat, and it was uh, it was a lot after the, after the Second World War. So, but then the designs changed. Now we do a variety here. We do a big variety of of uh, throws and scarves and in Studio Donegal, and uh, this is the way it's all been always been done. And everything here is hand handmade. It can be seen. You heard there John Heena, Tony Breslin and Kevin McGillicuddy, the in-house weavers at Studio Donegal in Kilcar. Onya Gallagher was the reporter. And finally, this time in a world of wild Atlantic ways and ancient Easts, who goes on an unbranded walk? Even in Limerick, where walking by the river used to be called walking by the river, Shannon flaneurs are more likely now to recount completing the Three Bridges Walk. It's a trend which our correspondent Owen O'Kelly reports was adopted by crowds of lockdown walkers and now the brand, the route and indeed the Three Bridges are sung into the record on an album by local act Anna's Anchor. Owen joined singer Marty Ryan for a tramp. <laughs> just at the far side of Shannon Bridge at St. Michael's Rowan Club uh, stood in front of Cleves Condensed Milk Factory uh, on this Wednesday morning. The Three Bridges Walk has great significance to me personally because it's something for the last number of years I would do almost every evening. I live inside in the city and it's my favourite thing to do here and especially when the pandemic hit it was definitely something that I used a lot to just kind of cope with everything that was going on and I would just walk up from my house out in Ross Bryan up to Bishop's Key and I'd put on a set of headphones and listen to an album and I'd pick a different album most times while I would do the walk and at some stage along the way the penny dropped that it takes roughly the length of an album to do this walk and then I thought wouldn't it be amazing to have an album that would actually you know, guide you around the walk and it would be a, an album for Limerick City um, that would also tell a tell a story that might be separate, and I thought it might be a, a unique way for us to approach our third album. Will we take a little bit of a walk? Some days with the, the tide is super high, you know, it's up up to up to the road and you'd be seeing the reflection of the Ferris wheel and it's beautiful and then other days you know it's totally empty and you're seeing all the, the muck and the mud and the trolleys that are thrown to the side uh, and I do think that does have, a, have an effect on the mood and yeah it's interesting because I do think a lot of people are drawn to you know the, to just walking around the river it has a similar effect to a you know like looking into a fire The band I play in is called Anna's Anchor and we recently just released our third album called The Glorious Ruction and it's a, a concept album of sorts in that 
the album basically takes you on a walk around the the river um, in Limerick City around the three bridges. So it starts at the at Bishop's Key at the foot of Shannon Bridge, brings you over the bridge and up along the Strand in front of Cleves here, all the way up as far as Thoman Bridge. And each song is a specific section of the walk, and it's timed to the length of time it would take you to walk that so it's it's telling you a story while it's guiding you around the walk second song finishes and where the third third song starts if you're walking at the optimum speed what is the optimum speed just a a nice gentle stroll i i walk this probably a thousand times and i would time myself and i would look at other people doing the walk and i would time them from afar and kind of came up with an average so that would give me the the length of the song and i would have the song length time wise before i even wrote any of the songs and generally, this is where we're stood right now, is where the Cleves would finish and the third song, Sarsfield Bridge, would begin. The song Sarsfield Bridge, I think, is maybe a good representation of how the, the story works in that not everything is... The, the album is telling a story totally separate to the walk, but it's, it's a, the story in a character that is taking the walk so they're mulling over different things that have happened in their life and trying to process different things while they're taking in the walk so while there's lots of imagery about the walk used lyrically it is also telling a story that's totally separate Wise, um, it references the the lamplights that are on Sarsfield Bridge, those beautiful cast iron ones. Which you know, we're standing here looking at them, and they're possibly my favourite part of the city. And they're on the album cover as well. And we've used that design a lot for for different merch items. And it's it makes me feel like I'm in a, a fancy part of London or or maybe even Paris. And it's it's very different to the rest of of the city and just those those little lampposts kind of just take me away for a minute and and that's kind of a, a reoccurring theme on the album the strand hotel is a you know new fancy hotel and there's you know new fancy apartments right beside it so that's kind of to your left you're seeing the new limerick but then just to the right you're seeing the old sarsfield bridge and you're seeing saint mary's cathedral in the background is one of the oldest buildings in the city so it's a real mishmash of the old historical part of Limerick but also the newer that's kind of a a push and pull and I think that's definitely something that I've found unique about growing up in Limerick it has changed so dramatically over the last few years and that is both amazing and also a bit of a scary thing because you kind of fear that you'll get left behind yourself and that's also uh, another big part of the story that's being told on the album. 
Well, there's that. Marty Ryan of Anna's Anchor there. Owen O'Kelly was the reporter. The album, Glorious Ruction, is available on Bandcamp. The Three Bridges Walk is mapped on limerick.ie. And that brings to a close this edition of the Culture File Weekly. We'll be back with more audio annotated trekking next Saturday at 6.30pm. Till then, bye now.